0: Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Cooperative, this wonderful Thursday morning. You know, co-ops uh, can be any business you can think about. Uh, any business that you would like to start, you can start it as a co-op. The difference between a co-op is it depends on who owns and controls the business. If the employees own and control the business, it's called a worker cooperative. And if consumers own or control the business, it is... A consumer co-op, examples of those are housing co-ops or credit unions. And a couple weeks ago, we had a health clinic uh, that was a consumer co-op that the patients uh, owned and controlled the business. The my, There are seven principles to the modern cooperative, and my favorite one is the fifth one, which is education, training, and information. And this morning, uh, continue with our theme on the Federation of Southern Cooperatives. Last week, we had Cornelius Blanding, the new executive director of the Federation. And this week, we had John Zippert on, and we're going to talk about this fifth principle. Good morning, John. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing just great. How are you doing?
1: Pretty good. Pretty good.
0: And, John, I think this is your second time on the program. We're almost at two years being on, and I appreciate you taking our time today to come on and talk about education.
1: I enjoyed the first time. I see the program has expanded to an hour. I think it was a half hour. The now, first
0: time I was on It was always an hour, John, but that hour goes by very quickly, so i can I can see why it felt like a half an hour because the hour goes by extremely quickly, and uh, I want to start off by thanking you guys for hosting me at the Federation's annual meeting. You were great hosts. What did you have about three, four hundred people there at your conference? Yes,
1: and, and you know it's the people come in and out and they come for parts and workshops. So we think there were about 400-plus people there at, at the Federation's Rural Training and Research Center in Epps. And there were 375 people in Birmingham on Thursday night for the Estelle Witherspoon Lifetime Achievement Award dinner.
0: Now, Estelle Witherspoon, she had something to do with it, Gee's Quilts?
1: the Freedom Quilting Bee in Alberta, Alabama which is
0: Aside from our conversation, but I didn't get a chance to talk to Cornelius about it last week, I would like to buy some quilts for my Christmas gifts. Is there a way to that I could get on to this one of these co-op quilting companies? Yeah. To-
1: let let me get you, and I don't I don't have that in front of me, but I'll get you a website and place to order. Uh, some of the, the groups have split up a little, but they're all still working as co-ops. And, and one of the groups works out of the ferry terminal at Gee's Bend. There, Gee's Bend is named for a bend in the Alabama River. And the Alabama River cuts through Wilcox County. So historically there was a ferry connecting Gee's Bend to Camden, Alabama, which was the county seat. But during the civil rights movement, because there were so many people from Gee's Bend coming to demonstrate and try to register to vote in Camden, uh, the county government and the state government did away with the ferry for many years. And it, it was restored about 10 years ago. And one of the quilting groups is now operating from the G's Bend terminal of the ferry. And and I think this story sort of speaks to some of the, really the background of what, what it takes to do the work of the Federation, that we we have come out of the civil rights movement, that there is still a residue of Hostility to African American people really doing things for themselves. And part of this, part of our work is the education and the training and the effort to overcome some of these kinds of problems and then really develop sustainable economic development for people. So I will get you addresses to. Get quilts. I don't have that right in front of me now,
0: but I'll get it for you. Well, one of the breaks, I'll I'll look it up to as G E E B E N D quilts. So I'll I'll look that up also and see if I can bring it to maybe some other people out there would like to buy some some quilts. But you you, you mentioned something that I, I want to talk about. You said their story is one of the reasons for the federation. It's because the U.S. culture has been against. African-Americans owning businesses and doing things for ourselves, which is one of the reasons I like this co-op business. is a way that people can come together and work together to create wealth and through owning their own businesses and learning about it. Tell me how that this story fits into that. You made that statement. How does it fit into showing how African-Americans can come together and create businesses and create wealth?
1: I think that case and many other places where the Federation is still working today in counties that have historically high rates of poverty, unemployment, out-migration, counties like Wilcox County, counties like Sumter County where our training center is located, the Black Belt of Alabama, the Mississippi Delta, Southwest Georgia, Uh, Coastal South Carolina, these are all places where there were high concentrations of black population because these were places during the period prior to the Civil War where there were significant plantations and the use of black labor to harvest cotton, rice, and, and other products and then after the Civil War, many of those people were tenant farmers and and work, continued to work the land. Almost all black people in this country can trace their roots back to uh, rural and agriculture, the agricultural base in the South, where people were in the past, enslaved and they came out of slavery into uh, tenant farming and plantations. Some of the people were able to buy land. In fact, the high point of black land ownership in this country was 1910 when black people owned 15 million acres and were a significant, over a million black people engaged in agriculture. And Unfortunately, due to economic pressures, race, racial pressures, and and other difficulties, that the ownership ownership of black land has decreased from 15 million acres to about 3 million acres today. So the federation came out of that whole struggle, in that whole history, the civil rights struggle. struggle for people to retain their land and the federation has organized agricultural co-ops rural credit unions handicraft worker producer co-ops and various different other some housing co-ops various different kinds of cooperatives out of that history and background and so that really requires People to have an education and understanding because my concept of education is that you you have to a real co-op education you have to understand it in your head you have to understand it in your heart and you have to use your hands and body and and full self to carry it out so some of this is learning new things and some of this
0: And that's why the National Co-op Bank is sponsoring this program to get people the information they need to understand a co-op and get the education. And I really appreciate what you said of overcoming the attitudes and myths. And it takes me all the way back to my first days of teaching mathematics. And the belief system was uh, I taught at San Diego State University and in the Afro-American Studies Department, and the belief was that self-fulfilling prophecy, if one believed, if teachers believed that blacks couldn't do math, then they couldn't. They would do things to make sure that they couldn't. And this is what was happening in a lot of the white universities with white teachers, where if you believed that blacks could do math, then that was the premise by which you could start, and more often than not, you could teach blacks too. Now, we have to take our first break, first 15 minutes. It goes by very quickly. If anybody has a question of John or myself, please call in at 1 800 450 7876. We'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. News updates on the web at WOLDCnews.com. Information is power. That's why this WOL station is a great partner to bring you this information about cooperatives, because with the information, if you use it, this information, you can have power, power to solve problems in your communities, power to control your own destinies. And the National Co-op Bank is sponsoring this program. Their mission is to help cooperatives grow by supporting and being an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, placing special emphasis on serving the needs of communities that are economically challenged. And John Zipper is our guest today who has been talking about some of these communities in the South and the black belt that are economically challenged communities and national co-op bank was at the annual meeting of the Federation. And they have been a partner to try to get people out of poverty. And the, the biggest poverty is John, let me tell you this quick story and then I'll get back to this education I got my MBA from Stanford. I took one class on black economics. And the main thing I took away from the class is that people, that black people buy depreciating assets, like cars and vacation and clothes. They they don't appreciate them where whites will buy appreciating assets, which may be stocks, bonds, artwork, older cars, antique cars. So things that will appreciate uh, real estate. But since I have lived uh, 40-some years now after that program, I've learned that people that have a poverty mentality will buy depreciating assets, and people that have a wealth mental- mentality will buy appreciating assets. It's not black or white. It's just too too many black people have these myths that you've talked about, and that's that poverty mentality that that we've learned and we've been taught, uh, that we can't succeed, that we can't work together, the things that are myths that help us to stay in poverty. And so changing those attitudes is a big piece of the education that federation is about and that I have been about in my teaching days uh, and every day that I teach. So let's let's talk about, uh, we have talked about the possibility of starting a community college in Epps, Alabama. What do you think about that idea? I mean, we talked about it a little bit when we were down there. Well, it it's an
1: idea Well, let let me begin by saying that the Federation has a rural Organic and non-organic we have a goat herd um, where we're raising goats that we spin off to producers who are part of a co-op we also a good bit of our Some of this predates the whole uh, computer revolution, where you you know you basically have every library uh, in the world in your pocket at your fingertips, yeah. <laughs> so, but some of these things preceded that. There was also the issue of financial stability, you know, that they wanted to see because part what I, we what we were trying to do was become ice. Had something we call co-op econ, which is like a three-day introduction to what co-ops are doing and some specific ways that worker co-ops could be an answer to creating unemployment and changing rural and urban communities in the South. So we have mostly done uh, smaller segments of an education program to really develop a school or a vocational school or a community college will take more resources, more partners, and and really some more help to realize that goal. I think that's still something the federation would like to work toward, and but. We need some help and support to get there. I don't know if that was a long (laughs) way around to answer your question. So we have some of the building blocks of that kind of uh, vocational training school, but there are some other things we need to add to that.
0: Well, I met a gentleman from the Rural Community College Alliance, and they have 600 members. And their goals fit right in sync with with your goals, with the federation goals. I came about this conversation because about four years ago, I figured out what I want to be when I grow up, and that was to continue to promote co-ops, create co-ops, or develop co-ops. First, there were going to be housing co-ops, and the more I've learned about other co-ops, like uh, worker co-ops. I want to help create those. And then the third one is that, which is what we're talking about now, was I had wanted to try to see if I could get current institutions like the Howards or the Stanfords or even Bluefield State, where I got my undergraduate degree from, to create a division in co-ops, whether that's you have an MBA, maybe you could have a cooperative master's in business administration, but to get, get people to more interested or to start a school that just focus on co-ops, and that's the, the business of co-ops and why they function, why working together functions, and um, the so, how the socialization of co-ops, how that works. Um, when you get a group of people together working together to help solve problems together and to figure out when there are going to be disagreements, how to resolve those disagreements, because there will be disagreements. When you have two or more people together, you're going to have disagreements. I sometimes have disagreements with myself, John. So, it's how you resolve the dis disagre- the disagreements. So it's that's what when when I came down there was one of the 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 ideas because I knew you had you were doing training. I didn't even know um, that you had all of this that you just described in terms of the facilities and the classes that you're doing. The, how to expand that those classes to this community college and maybe getting the help from this Rural Community College Alliance or the there's another alliance, and I'll get their name, of all community associations in the U.S. to try to figure out how we can get the funding and the stability that you're talking about. And I would love to work with you on this if this is something that you all would like to do. have to take our next break, though. If you have any questions or comments, of John Zippert or myself calling at 1-800-450-7876. Anything to do with co-ops, we'd like to hear. John has been in this for 45 years and he's only 46 years old, so he's been doing it a long time. We'll be right back. Please don't touch the dial.
1: 1450
0: WOL. Welcome back. This is Vernon Oaks. Everything Co-op, we're talking about the benefits of cooperatives. No matter what type of business you could think of, it could be in a form of a co-op. At Greenbelt right here in Maryland, uh, Greenbelt has, has seven co-ops, and they're looking to create additional co-ops. I was at Greenbelt Homes, which is a 1,600 apartment unit cooperative housing co-op built in the 30s and 40s. And in their lobby, they said, uh, a plaque said that co-ops gives people the tools to control their own destiny. Co-ops gives people the tools to control their own destiny. And that was huge for me because those tools turn out to be education, knowledge, to change bad myths (laughs) that John has already talked about. John Zippert from the Federation of Southern Co-ops and also give new information to make, to get knowledge so you can, people can make informed decisions. And when when folks make informed decisions, uh, they make better decisions, and therefore they control their destinies to seem to fit. So what we're talking about today is this fifth principle in, of cooperatives is education, training, and information. And John has been talking about how the Federation has a training center in Epps, Alabama. Epps is 115 miles or so south of Birmingham. And why this education is so extremely important. So, John, the other association is the American Association of Community Colleges, and they have methods for helping people start community colleges. But I I also did a little bit more research on how to start a college. And it seems like the same way you start any business they talked about seven ways that right in the middle of it is a business plan, figuring out the first thing is the purpose of the college. And we've already talked a lot about that, uh, getting advice and funding, preparing a business plan, going to the state and get the regulatory and founding requirements. Like I would doubt that you'd have to have this huge library today. Cause like you said, that was 20 years ago and the computer wasn't as as big as it, it used to be. And you could probably do a lot of classes on the computer, online, marketing to college, and getting accreditation. So I think you've got a tremendous foundation with what you already do and knowledge that people already have of what you do in your area. And the reason that co-ops are formed most of the time is because to solve some community issue. And from everybody that's been on this program almost two years now says that co-ops normally provide as good as if not a better product or service for the same if not a lower price so I would think that a federation community college could provide an excellent education at a lower at the same if not a lower price for its, its um, clientele in these rural communities do you think you could do that
1: so and I just wanna circle back around to some things you said in the in the segment just before this. I think the Federation would welcome and and I think we need to maybe talk about this outside of this radio program, how we would get together with Federation has historically worked particularly with uh, the 1890 uh, land-grant colleges, and, and we have two of those in Alabama, Tuskegee and Alabama A&M, which is uh, in the northern part of the state. You know, so I, I think we really want to explore this. I think One of the issues that's going to come up is that, you know, most of the community colleges that I have seen are state supported, and how we work around that in terms of if this is to be a school of the cooperative movement, I think we're interested in meeting the licensing requirements. We're interested in getting resources, including Pell Grants and and federal financial support. I'm not sure we want to be the same as all of the other community colleges in Alabama that are part of a state network, so to speak. The other thing is that internationally there are a number of co-op schools there's there's one in at St. Francis Xavier University in Antigonish, Nova Scotia. environments where the federation is working to change things
0: i think it still exists in the united states sir okay. i bigger than where you are Well, okay. I, I think okay.
1: sometimes the people in alabama and georgia and mississippi they specialize in <laughs> institutionalized racism they they know how to do it
0: well i i grew up in bluefield west virginia which was south and we had the colored uh, only bathrooms and uh, where you'd go drink uh, water and so forth. I remember my my grandfather almost spanked me one time because I was um, four or five years old and I went to the white-only uh, drinking fountain not knowing. And uh, he scared me, but he got it a point across. That he'd rather scare me to make sure I did not go to that white-only fountain and, you know, maybe get beat up or hurt or killed. Uh, so, so it was, it's very much in the South, but when I came to visit family, my mother's family was from New York. When I would go to visit them, I found systemic racism in New York, you know, working there in the summers and so forth. It was, it was, they would smile at you, but the results were the same, a bigger smile. Right? We're in this ornery uh, towards you. But the so I think institutional racism is throughout the U.S. It was, it was in our, when you look at, um, some of the things that I've learned just with the farming bills and how the FDA would give money to white farmers and not to black farmers. Well that's the government was was racist in their in their policies and their implementing their policies. So it was throughout the whole US. So we've we've got to find ways of still overcoming that and then I think it's through education and getting rid of the myths. I agree with you. Any comments on that what I just said.
1: Well I think that that is another focus of the Federation, is the whole advocacy for public policy changes uh, for rural people and communities. And and I don't disagree that their institutional racism remains. I think if you look at the fact that the the wealth of the average black family is less than $10,000— and the average wealth of, of a white family is $150,000, and some of that relates to housing and neighborhoods and all kinds of decisions which are influenced by race. And then the government policies, you know, USDA in terms of agricultural policy and making loans available to, to black farmers and black landowners. There was a history of discrimination in all of that. And even programs like Social Security, when it was first enacted, uh, farm labor and domestic labor, which was in fiscal year 13 they left out the 37 programs that we had gotten into the farm bill left them out of funding for a year they've just been you know this is a continuing battle we have to be vigilant all the time
0: john we, we have to take our third break and i i totally agree and i stopped we have to be vigilant all of the time it, it's consistent and continuous but we have to take a break we get to new the weather and traffic, and then we'll be right back. We have only one more left, and we'll talk some more about this training, education, and the state of the U.S. News updates on the web at
1: WOLDCnews.com.
0: Information is power. John, I got to say one more thing. When I was talking to Cornelius last week, um, my fourth goal is to give monies, to donate monies over and above tithes to the International Cooperative Alliance and to the Federation. And last year, based on what I gave at the Fed for the for your annual meeting and others, it came out I gave a twenty one hundred dollars. Now I normally don't talk about what I give because I found out in life that people would always say, Oh, you you're saying this, or you did this because you have some underlying purpose. And I don't have any underlying purpose except for to help you. My purpose is to help you guys do what you do. And the, but I heard about three months ago a preacher say that you've got to tell when you give money because that gives you a chance to talk about the goodness of God. And I wasn't able to say that last week. We ran out of time, so I didn't want to run out of time this year. God has been extremely good to me, which gives me an ability to to give money and give money to organizations like yours. So next year my goal is twice that. That's forty-two hundred dollars and sixteen. But again, it's so I have I'm telling this to people out there and to you is because. God has been extremely good, and I think if we keep him in the picture, we can get this community college up, or more, much more formal education than what you've been doing in the past, to adv- advance what you've been doing. And I really would want to help you work if we create some committee or something to get this done with the Federation and starting off with a business plan and looking for support however however we can get it. We have someone on the phone. It's John. How you doing, gentlemen? Fantastic. How are um, you? Great, great.
1: I'm in the city of Cleveland. I own uh, some, some uh, warehouse property here in the city of uh, in Cleveland, and I am looking to get into manufacturing um, solar uh, solar panel manufacturing. And you know, just listening to uh, the gentleman speak, I was wondering would it be uh, possible for uh, me to receive your information or get together with you uh, to talk about possible opportunities for, you know, the people of Cleveland, uh, are you working in this area, you know, things such as that.
0: John, you want to answer that?
1: Yes. uh, The Federation is
0: They have three different businesses. One is a laundry laundromat, if you will, work- working with uh, universities and colleges to do their laundry. A second okay. one is they are installing solar panels. So it would be wonderful to talk with them if you could make solar panels that they could install. And the third yeah. one is that they are growing. They have like um, urban farming in glass houses, whatever that's called, I, you you know more about that, John, than I do. Yeah. Uh, but I just googled Evergreen Cooperatives, and you can get all of their information there. And there's a group from the Maryland area that's been helping them to get that up and going. And they have about 40 okay. employees. One of their op- one of their goals is to increase, you know, employment. Okay. okay. Well, let me
1: also say to this gentleman and everybody else uh, in, in your audience. Is that the Federation has a website, www.federation.coop, www.federation.coop, C-O-O-P, and the op is a URL that's reserved for cooperatives. You might have spoken about that.
0: I have in the, the past. Other,
1: on other programs, so www.federation.coop, and, and let me also say that on that website there is a way to contact us for this gentleman to get further information. But I do think Evergreen is a good starting point for him. And, and, Great. But but this website also has a way to ask for information and to donate funds. The Federation of Southern Cooperatives is a 501 IRS 501c3 tax exempt nonprofit cooperative of cooperatives, and we uh, we uh, any contributions or donations to us financial uh, equipment, other resources, uh, specialist time, all of that is eligible for uh, tax consideration as a charitable donation. So go to the website. And and again, Vernon, we want to thank you for your support. I'm also part of some efforts in, in Alabama in the South to create philanthropy in the black community. We have the Black Belt. Community Foundation. We have the Southern Partners Fund. And and these are groups where we're encouraging uh, every black person to become a philanthropist, even if they only give a few dollars uh, every month. But, you know, we welcome people like you, you know, who can give according to their capacity. But we have lots of different Ways of doing that, and the federation, as I said earlier, does accept tax deductible donations and
0: contributions. If you go to the federation co-op webpage, right in the middle, it says make a donation. So they make it really easy for any of us to make donations. Uh, John, let's go back to this community college because. One idea that that I've been toying with was to make it either a worker co-op or a consumer co-op where you have a school that's either owned by the people that work there, the janitors, the teachers, the management, everybody all the way up, or it could be owned by the um, people that go to school. Like we have these student housing co-ops. The student housing co-ops, the students own the houses. They either own them or they rent them, but they're responsible. And they'll have work groups that will do, you know, buy the food or raise the food or cook the food or clean the house. They have these different groups that take care of the house. And they really learn responsibility in in a way that you were talking about, getting knowledge and putting that knowledge to use. And that's why I like this cooperative model. Uh, Matter of fact, if I think we could get all of this people in college into a co-op, they would learn a whole lot about living life. Uh, working together in groups, so what do you think about the possibility of this community college, which when you talk about being different? It would be a cooperative
1: i I think that's something we need to explore, even possibly as a hybrid between the people who work there and the people who 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 would come there to study or who would study. Federation is a
0: If you and let's talk about when we can meet and when we can get started because knowledge without implementation is useless matter of fact I think it's worse to have knowledge and not use it than not have the knowledge all at all because once you get the knowledge it's sort of expected that you would use it um, so let's see how we can get get moving on this one to start this plan and start working with different uh, partners to see how we could get it going either started next September or the September after that. But really, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing what we can do, John. Any last comments? We only have a, a minute left.
1: Well, just again, uh, for more information, uh, visit the Federation's website, www.federation.coop. And, um, you know, there's a way there also where you can contact us and send us information. My address is P.O. Box ninety five EPS EPES Alabama three five four six zero. P.O. Box ninety five EPS Alabama three five four six zero and EPS is halfway between Meridian Mississippi In Tuscaloosa, Alabama.
0: Okay, John, if you can make a donation, please do. And if you don't have money, send up a prayer. Great. Thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you. Thank you.
1: Okay.
0: We'll see you next Thursday, everybody. Have a great, wonderful, cooperative week. 1450 WOL.